0: Lord let that be our prayer this morning that we would just surrender all to you and be at your feet on our knees worshiping you Lord praising you and as we turn to your word we ask your spirit to continue to guide us Lord and and give us insight for your word this morning we pray these things in Jesus name amen is it me or is it you all right um i uh i cut last week a little bit short i didn't quite finish 1 Corinthians 9, so I'm going to jump back just a little bit and finish that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, the 19th verse, for though I am free of all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more, and to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews to those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might with those who are under the law, to those who are without the law, as without the law. But under the law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partakers with you. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is alive and true, and that it changes hearts of men and women. Father, we just pray that as we hear your word, that we would be covered with your spirit, that we would have a changed heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Um, As I'm reading that verse, I, I, I realized this last week too, that's a really convoluted, difficult verse to understand. But what Paul is saying is that he became all things to all men so he became as one who was under the law for those who were under the law he became as one who was not under the law to those who were not under the law and he became he became uh, everything that he needed to be in order to reach the people that he was trying to reach that is he didn't look down on anybody for the situation that they were in. He didn't look down on those people who were living under the law and say, wow, you really don't get it. I'm so much superior than you because you're living under the law and you should be free. Paul understood that he was free from the law. He was free from all of those presuppositions, all of those things that were put on him by mankind because none of that mattered. But he didn't look at people who were were struggling with that because once they became Christians, they should be free too. But he didn't look down on them and say, Wow, you just, you just really don't get it. You guys are just really babies in Christ and I'm so much superior because I understand that I'm free. I understand that I don't have to live under the law. No, he, he got down on their level and he met them where they were and he shared the gospel with them and he taught them. And he shared the things that he understood about freedom. He shared the things that he understood about being free from idols, free from idol worship. Later on in, uh, in uh, chapter 10, Paul addresses that issue of idol worship. And he, he, uh, he compares it to uh, demonic worship. Even though those idols were nothing, even though there was no life in them, even though there was no power in them, they were just a block of wood. They were just a block of rock. Some people put power into them because they thought they had power. And Paul was trying to free them from that, but that's a hard place to come from. And you understand that if you were raised in some particular uh, religion, some particular denomination or something that really emphasizes something that is not particularly biblical, But it's put on you by men who say, if you do this or if you don't do that, it makes you a superior Christian. You understand that because you've lived under that for so long that it's become a part of who you are. You know, maybe it's maybe it's how you dress. Maybe it's how you don't dress. Maybe it's that you wear certain things or you don't wear other things. But it's hard to leave that behind because it's so ingrained in you. That's what Paul was dealing with. As we go to serve God, you know, sometimes God puts us in a situation that, that we don't particularly choose to be in and we're not comfortable in that position. You know, God does that to grow us spiritually because we have to understand that wherever we are and whatever it is that we're doing, that we have to depend on God. We don't do it with our own personal talents. God doesn't put us in a place where He says, "Wow, you really have an ability for this. You really have a natural gift for that. And so I'm going to put you here. I'm going to put you over there. And I'm going to use you using your own natural talents, your own natural abilities. God doesn't do that. God puts us in a place where we have to depend on Him. God puts us in a place where we get in a situation and we realize, God, I need you to show up. I need you here because I can't do this by myself. And that's a good thing. Uh, I, I found an example of this that I really like. Um, there's, a, there's a baseball player named Mike Trout. There's a coincidence in baseball, like probably a lot of different sports. There's a coincidence that in baseball, the people who set the most records for the most home runs, they also strike out a lot. That's interesting, isn't it? Mike Trout plays for the LA Angels, or he did back when I uh, researched this. Uh, It's a major league baseball league. He is a nine-time major league baseball all-star. He's a three-time American League Most Valuable Player. And he's an eight-time winner of the Silver Slugger. And I just share that to let you know that he is a outstanding baseball player. He has hit 300 home runs, over 300 home runs, actually. But he's struck out 1,200 times. He struck out many times more than home runs. You know, as Christians, God puts us in situations where we feel pretty inadequate sometimes. But God wants us to depend on Him and swing for the fences. And it's okay. It's okay if we don't make it, it's all right. Because God takes what we've done for Him, and He makes it for good, doesn't it? The Bible says that God takes things that Satan meant for evil. God takes things that, that the demonic world meant for evil, and He turns it for good. And He can take things that, that we are working on doing for Him. And even though it doesn't always meet the grade that we'd like it to, God makes up the difference. Isn't that great? God makes up the difference. We don't have to, you know, God puts us in a situation we don't have to say, wow, I can't do that. That's beyond my capability. No, you step into it and God empowers you. Because it's not God, it's not you that's doing the work. It's God that's doing the work. You know, if we, if we, If God puts something in front of us and we don't step into it because we're afraid of failure, then we need to examine what we believe about God. You know, I know that all of you would tell me that you believe God is a big God, God is a capable God. God can literally do anything. So why are we afraid of stepping into something that God puts in front of us? Where's our faith? Where's our faith? You know, we let other people control us. A lot of times we feel like God's putting something on our hearts and our first feeling is, gee, I need to go talk to somebody about this. I need to know what they think. You know, we're looking for confirmation. There's nothing wrong with confirmation. That's a good thing. God put something on our heart and and we want to know. We want it to be confirmed by other people. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem with, first of all, looking to other people is that... There's a lot of negative people out there. There's a lot of people out there who would agree with you that you don't have that capability. There's a lot of people out there who would discourage you from doing the very thing that God has put on your heart. We need to, to get our eyes on God. We need to see God. And regardless of the criticism, regardless of our, our uh, abilities or lack thereof, we need to step into it, step into it. And whatever it is God's put before us, we need to do that. You know, we need to be free from sin. If we're, if we're serving God, we need to examine ourselves, Examine ourselves and, and pray and ask God, is there something in my life, God, that needs to go? Because typically there is. It doesn't matter how young or how old we are. It doesn't matter what our experience is. It doesn't matter what our position in life is. There's usually something that needs to be cleaned out. And it's difficult to serve God to the fullest when we have a bunch of stuff in our life that needs to be cleaned out. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not easy, but it's simple. It's not difficult, but we need God's help to do it. It's not something we can do on our own. We can't just say, I'm going to be a self-made Christian. I'm going to pull myself up by the bootstraps. That doesn't work. We need God to do that. But we have to allow God in our heart have to allow God within us to help clean that out. God, show me what it is that I need to get rid of. Show me what it is that I need to change. Is there something I need to stop doing? Is there something I need to start doing? What is it? Give me some guidance and I'll be willing to do it. And when you're when you're in that kind of a spirit, God can do the work. We need to let him then do the work. You know, we need to love people that that God loves who does god love god loves god loves everybody god loves people who are you know there's some people who are just lovable people they're just they're just great people you just love being around them there's other people who are difficult you know they're just difficult they're kind of like trying to cuddle a porcupine it's tough it's tough but god loves them too And sometimes God sends you to people who are not so lovable. Sometimes God sends you to people who are really, you know, you know what I'm talking about. They're the, they're the attractive kind of a person. They're just the kind of person you want for your friend. You know, they show up fashionably dressed. They've bathed, they've combed their hair, but that's not who God sends you to. God sends you to someone who is not. But we need to love those people because sometimes God is trying to use you to reach them. And that's what he's put on your plate. It's possible, it's possible if we're walking with the Holy Spirit. If we've got God helping us to do that. And you know, there's always people who I talk to people who I encourage to, you know, to uh, step into that situation. And they say, I don't know what to say. What do I say? Give me a script. I can do it if I have a script. No, no. God will give you the words. God will tell you what to say. God opens the door. And then if you're willing to let him work through you, he gives you the words. He tells you what to say. He tells you what to do. We need to be free to serve God as God leads us. Paul had that kind of freedom where he met with all kinds of people. You don't need to realize that most of the Jews looked on the Gentiles like dogs. They thought they were on the level with uh, street dogs, not somebody's pet. Not somebody's pet dog who's been bathed and fed and cared for. No, a street dog. That's how they looked at the Gentiles. So when Paul took the gospel to the Gentiles... But some of them weren't too happy about that. So Paul's saying here, he says, he says, "You need to be free to serve God as He leads you. If He leads you into something or He leads you to someone, then you need to be free to serve them. You, you shouldn't have all these prejudices going on within you. You shouldn't have all these preconceived ideas going on with you. You know, there's some people who are maybe a part of some, they're Christians. Okay, I'm not questioning whether or not they're Christians, but they're a part of some denomination over here, and they look at these people over here who are part of this denomination, and they're like, those people, those people ain't even Christians. And I'm not talking to them, I'm not getting down on their level. That's not the attitude Paul had. Paul had the attitude of, I need to share the gospel with everybody whether they're wealthy, whether they're poor, wherever they're coming from, I need to be there to share the gospel with them. And that should be our attitude too. We shouldn't have preconceived notions about what somebody is like or what their background is. You know, sometimes you feel, you feel moved to say something to somebody and you look at them and you're just like, they're not even going to hear me. Not only are they not going to hear me, they might punch me. That's a preconceived notion. You know, and, and all of the time that I've, whenever I've been somewhere uh, and, and I pray with somebody, I offer to pray for them. I've never had anybody refuse. I've never had anyone say no. I say, can I pray for you? Because they've shared me, with me their experience. You know, they've shared with me where they're at and I offer to pray for them. I've never had anyone say no. I, I believe they're always grateful for it. Maybe they don't even really believe in God, but they still don't say no. So having, having a preconceived notion about somebody uh, is just an impediment. You know, we need to be free to make commitments. We need to be free to make commitments, not to other people necessarily, but to God, to God, make a commitment to God. Make a commitment about something that we're going to do that will, will put us in a position where we're closer to Him. What is something that we need to do? You know, obviously the easy ones are, wow, I need to I, I need to read more in my Bible. I need to pray more. Those are obvious ones. But maybe God's put on your heart something else. You know, something that you need to remove from your life. Or maybe someone, you know, People can be either a good influence on us or a bad influence. We go into a relationship where we meet somebody and we say, I'm a, you know, they're a horrible person, but I'm going to be a good influence on them. Kind of doesn't work like that. A lot of times it works the other way. But sometimes God will tell you, you need to separate yourself from that person. Sometimes God brings people into our life. We need to open up to them. We need to let them in. We need to walk with them. But there are times when God says, separate yourself from them. And sometimes that's a commitment we need to make. Sometimes that's hard because those people are our friends. Maybe we've been friends with them for a long time. So sometimes we need to make a commitment to God. God, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do this for the gospel. We need to be free to make those kinds of commitments. We need to be free to disagree with each other and stay brothers and sisters. You know, there's, there's things there's things uh, in, in the Bible that the Bible doesn't necessarily address. And those are things that Christians fight over. You know, if something's black and white in the Bible, most christians are you know, we're not even going to argue over that because there it is you know but it's those things that are not there and then and then some people they want to read into scripture they want to read something into it and then they fight over that they separate over that they argue over that and we need to be free to disagree and yet remain brothers and sisters we just say you know I don't agree with you on that, but you're still my brother. I still love you. I still want to walk through this life with you. I'm not going to let that stand between us. We just have a different view, a different opinion. And and we let it go at that. Um, Paul Paul became a servant. He said he became a servant that I might win the more. You know, what people do with their freedom is a cue to their, a clue to their character. Paul was free. He was free. He was free from restraints. He was free from the law. He was free from all of those things that mankind had put on him. All of the the Pharisees had thousands of rules about what you could and could not do at various times, what you had to do, what you couldn't do. Paul he said, I'm free from all of that. But he made himself a servant. I like that. You know, there was nobody probably uh, any superior to Paul. Paul Paul stood tall. Paul was Paul was uh, uh, a great Christian. But he made himself a servant. You know, there was a time when at the Last Supper, when Jesus took a bowl and he washed the feet of the disciples. And you know, there's something about washing someone's feet there's an attitude you have to have to wash somebody's feet. First of all, you have to get on your knees. You have to get down on the floor or the ground as the case may be. You're, you're below them. And remember back in those days, uh, they, they, wore, they wore sandals, people's feet were dirty. They'd been walking. They didn't have sidewalks back then. It was it was dirt. And their their feet were dirty. Now their feet probably maybe didn't smell as bad as mine do after I've been wearing my shoes all day. But it had to be bad. It just wasn't good. And Jesus put himself in that position of a servant. I'm going to serve you and I'm going to put myself below you. And that's the attitude Paul had. He said, I'm here to serve. I'm here to do whatever it takes to share the gospel with you and to help you become a Christian. Not, not just a Christian, but, but to help you become a, a, a useful Christian. Somebody that serves God. I want to pass the baton to you. That was Paul's attitude. Paul said, um, whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your servant, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And Jesus Jesus was the fulfillment of that suffering servant, those suffering servant prophecies that came out of Isaiah 53. He was, he was the embodiment of that suffering servant. And Paul saw himself as an extension of that. Jesus said, I'm going to say what I hear the Father saying, and I'm going to do what I see the Father doing. And Paul had the same attitude. I'm going to say what I hear Jesus saying, and I'm going to do what I see Jesus doing. And that was his role model. Jesus was his role model. Jesus made himself a servant and Paul made himself a servant. I'm here to serve you whatever position you're in. I'm here to serve you if you're a slave. And he did, he did. He served people who were a slave. He put himself below them. You know, it's really easy to sit in this room right now and to celebrate that theology of servanthood that I'm talking about. You know, you you can get really excited about that. You can say, I like that. That's really great. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be that servant. But when the rubber hits the road... When you're out there, in life, and the opportunity comes up on you all of a sudden, you're like, "Here's my opportunity to be a servant." It's not so easy all the time. You need God to be able to help you do that. That's not something that's in our human nature. I'm telling you, it just isn't. You know, I, you you see somebody who might just need a hand out somewhere. Uh, you know, and, and but it puts you in a servanthood position. And sometimes it's difficult. Or sometimes sometimes you're kind of forced into it and you're aggravated by it. That's not good. That's not the attitude we want. We need God to help us do that. This this whole thing of, you know, oh, it's great to be a servant. It sounds really good. It feels really good after you've been the servant. You're fulfilled in a spiritual way. Did you get a reward out of that? No. No, did, you didn't do it looking for a reward, did you? I don't think so. You know, but when you walk away, you're like, I succeeded in being a servant. And that's a, that's a wonderful feeling. That's a great feeling. The thing is about being a servant is other people get the praise and you do the work. That's how that works. And, and you get to stand by, you get to say, I did that. And then someone else gets the gets the gets the reward for it. Someone else gets the accolades for it. And you can't say anything because if you do, you're not being a servant. If you do, you you didn't you just blew it. You just you didn't fulfill what you were trying to do as being a servant. Verses 20 and 22 tells us, shows us there that Paul identified with all kinds of people, all different kinds of people. He loved people of all vocations, he loved people of all nationalities. He loved people of all lifestyles. That's not to say he approved of their lifestyle, but he loved them. He loved them enough to want to become a servant to them, to share the gospel with them. And that's what Paul was all about. There. That's what. That's how we should be. You know, sometimes, sometimes you look down on somebody who is uh, economically at a much lower position than you are. And, and your, your immediate response is, dude, what's wrong with you? Man up. Get a job. But that's, that's not an attitude of a servant, is it? That's not the attitude of a servant. That's How are you going to share the gospel with someone if you have that kind of an attitude towards them? But that's a lot of times our natural response. And we need to overcome that, but we've got to have Jesus, we've got to have the Lord to do that. That's not within us to just do that by nature. You know, people come into churches. I've been in, in uh, a number of different churches, different places. And what I see is that people tend to, in a church, people tend to, they look the same, they dress the same. You know, there's some churches where uh, like the men, they wear suits. They wear a suit and tie. And and there's not a single person, not a single man in that room that does not have a jacket and a tie on. They all dress the same. There's churches where people are all of the same economic level, you know. It's almost like this is the church for the wealthy people. And then this is the church for the poor people, this is the church, uh, where, you know, where, uh, and I'm just grasping at straws here, but this is the church where families come when their kid has blue hair. People group together where they feel comfortable, but really that's, that's not how it should be. You know, we should be perfectly comfortable, um, and I, and I, I believe we are here, but We should be perfectly comfortable if somebody walks in in a a suit and tie and we're comfortable with them dressing like that, you know, here in about a week or two, uh, I probably won't wear shorts up here, but I certainly will wear shorts back there. And if someone walks in in a suit and tie, I'm like, good for them. You know, they feel like that's, that's how God wants them to dress. Good for them. I don't think what I wear makes a difference. Most of the time, I wear a T-shirt and shorts. And I'm standing up here today wearing tennis shoes, mostly because it's comfortable. But I don't think those outward things make any difference at all to God. I think what God looks at, He looks at us on the inside. And whether we're poor or rich or uh, we have whatever it is, God looks at us as the same. He looks at us as his children. That's how Paul looked at people. And that's how we should look at people as well. The 24th through the 27th verse, do you not know that those who run the race all run, but one receives the prize run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate for all things. And now they, now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body to bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I, I myself might become disqualified. Paul is pointing out there, he's using the analogy of a race, um, anything worth obtaining, anything worth getting is going to cost us something. It's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us time. It's going to cost us uh, the freedom to do some other things that we might want to do. There's always a cost uh, to spiritual discipline. There's always, if you want to be a spiritual leader, there's going to be a cost to it. You know, Being an athlete is difficult. I'm not an athlete. Uh, First of all, I'm too old to be an athlete, but but even when I was younger, I really wasn't an athlete. Um, But I tried to be. And one of the things that I figured out when I was trying trying to do that is that I can't just eat anything I want to. And that's not easy, you know? Because the minute you say, I'm not gonna eat anything with sugar in it, Someone comes out with a chocolate cake. Or chocolate chip cookies. I'm going to admit it. Chocolate chip cookies are my weakness. I can say no, probably to the chocolate cake. But the chocolate chip cookies? Especially if they're a little bit crispy? Oh boy, that's tough. But there's a cost to it. If you're going to be an athlete, you're probably going to be getting up early some mornings. You're going to be going and you're going to be working out in some way. You're going to run. You're going to go to the gym. You're going to be doing something or maybe you're going to go to work early because in order to work out later on, you need to get to work early. So you have time in the afternoon and then you got to you got to choose. Am I going to work out or am I going to go hang out with my friends? Or am I going to play video games or am I going to watch TV or am I going to take a nap? you got to deny yourself some things if you're going to be an athlete. It's hard. And you know what? You work out for an awfully long time before you ever run that race or whatever it is you're doing. Nobody's watching you work out. You're out there early. Nobody's watching you. It's just It's just for that race. It's just for those few... Minutes And you spend all this time denying yourself, pushing yourself. That's what Paul says uh, being a spiritual leader is like. It's just like that. You have to deny yourself. And nobody's watching. Nobody knows. Nobody knows if you're spending time with the Lord or if you're just watching TV. Nobody knows. There's nobody watching you. And Paul says that that athletes who are who are working out and they're they're uh, preparing for whatever it is they 're doing, they do it, they do it for a prize and, and and you know back in those days, Corinth had the most prestigious games other than the Olympic Games. They had the most prestigious games in that whole area it was a, it was It was the pinnacle except for the Olympics, but what did they get? They got they got the leaves. They got the leaves that they put on their head. That's what they won. And what happens to plants? They turn brown, right? You know, they don't even last. I mean, it, it's, it's sort of like a crown, but it doesn't even last. And, they, and what Paul's saying is they work out so hard just for that. Of course, they do get some praise. They get accolades. But Paul is saying, you're Christians, you're going to be running this race, you're running this race in life, and you have to deny yourself, you have to discipline yourself to grow spiritually. But the crown you will receive will last forever. So athletes at the time, they're they're running for a crown that doesn't even last. It says, your crown will last forever. And not only that, athletes in those games, there was one winner everybody runs but one winner but for christians it's kind of like we're running against ourselves, isn't it i'm not really running against you because i can win and you can win we can all win i sound like the millennials right now you know we all need a prize but this is this is biblical this is true everybody gets a crown everybody gets to win we're 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 running the race against ourselves and god rewards the efforts that we put in it's not who's better it's not who put in more effort but we put the effort in for god we put the effort in for the gospel don't we and we get rewards and God's happy to give us rewards. God wants to give us rewards. You know, it's not like God has a limited number of rewards. It's not like, you know, I, 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 I pray and I ask God in the morning, and say, God bless me. And whoever gets there first gets the blessings and whoever gets there last doesn't get any because they're gone. God doesn't run out. God's got lots of crowns. He's not going to run out. God's got lots of rewards. And He wants to give them to us. He just needs us to cooperate with Him. He needs us to work with Him. You know, if you've been a parent, you understand that. You you understand what you're trying to get your child to do. And you understand the benefits of it. But they don't understand it. And you're, you're trying to help them do something that will benefit themselves. And all they can see is that mom or dad wants them to do that, and they don't know why. That's kind of like how we are. God's trying to guide us into a position where He can reward us, and we're being obstinate. We're sitting there. says, come on, Scott, clean up your room. Clean your room up. This is a disaster area. There's probably pythons in there. And I'm sitting there, oh, I don't want to. I'm tired. I worked really hard today, you know. It was really a rough day. I don't want to clean my room. God wants to give us those rewards, but He needs us to get on board with Him. He needs us to cooperate. In this race that we're running, like Paul is talking about, we need to put forth the effort. God's going to reward the effort. He's got rewards for us. He's got rewards for us that we're going to get in this life right now. And he's got way more rewards that we will get when we leave this world. And he wants to give them to us. We need to deny ourselves, whatever it is. Ask God, what is it that I have to do to improve my spiritual athletic ability? What is it that I have to do? Show me, tell me what I have to do, and I'll do it. And and he'll help you do it. You don't have to do it on your own. He doesn't want you to do it on your own. We just we live in a world where we expect things fast. You know, you order something and, and you're checking 30 minutes later, you're checking the tracking. Where is it? Is it on the way? Did they send it already? you know almost everything i cook is in the microwave because i burn it if i try to cook it on the stove but i'm sitting there watching the minutes count down. i expect it fast there's a lot of things that god's working into our life that don't come fast they come slowly they come over time but if you looked at yourself if you looked at yourself how you were spiritually 10 years ago there should be tremendous growth in 10 years' time. There should be amazing growth. If you don't see any growth in yourself over the last 10 years, you better stop what you're doing and check yourself. Spend some time in prayer. Because there should be growth. But you know what? We don't see it. I saw a picture of myself uh, was when one of my kids were small. Uh, It would have been about 20 years ago. I have this picture you can't even tell it's me. I had great hair. I weighed a whole lot less. I was a good looking guy. All that's changed in the last 20 years. And not for the better, not for the better. That's but we should look at ourselves spiritually and we should see change. It goes slowly. I haven't noticed over the years. I haven't noticed now. I noticed when I shaved my head, that was a big change. But I haven't noticed the other things changing. It just happened so slowly. I didn't even notice it. Spiritually, it's the same way. We're living through life. We're, We're going step by step. We don't notice the change. But other people notice the change. God notices the change. And if there isn't a change, something needs to change. If there's not a change, we need to work on some things. And God helps us do that. Fortunately, we don't have to do that. God helps us do that. Paul's talking there. He, he uh, references himself being the enemy. You realize that Paul is not talking about, in those verses that I just read, he's not talking about an external enemy. He's not talking about the demonic world coming against him. He's talking about himself. Himself, He says, I have to bring myself under subjection. And and that plays out on that athletic theme. Bring yourself under subjection. You know, like, like I said, if you're going to try to be athletic, there's stuff you can't eat. You just can't. You cannot eat that and do what it is you want to do. And the same is in the spiritual world. There's things that we cannot partake of and grow spiritually and be strong spiritually. There are things that cannot enter our life. We have to keep them out. Because if we let those things in, they they taint, they taint our life. They grieve the Holy Spirit. There's things that have to be cleaned out. There are places that you know you cannot go. Do you have the freedom to go there? Just like Paul said, you're free. Yes, you have the freedom to go there. But you know that you cannot go there because God has told you, you cannot go there. He's told you to separate yourself from that. Because if you go there, it's gonna taint what God is doing. Paul recognized that that the enemy was here. The enemy was himself. You know, I, I do believe in the demonic and I do believe that Christians undergo oppression. Christians undergo various other things that are, that are spiritual. But a lot of the time, the problem is right here. The problem is me. I don't want to deny myself. I don't want to say no. And I cannot have the spiritual growth that God wants me to have if I'm not denying myself those things. And the opposite is true too. You know, you deny yourself some things, you have to put some things in your life. You want to grow spiritually, you need to spend some time in the Word. You need to spend your, some time uh, reaching out to God. You need to spend some time where God can speak to you. And you're just quiet and you can hear. And you can respond to whatever it is that God's, God's pushing you through. You know, uh, we, have, we have speakers all day long on our radio station that preach the Word. To preach the word, and they make it easy. They make it easy because really you can listen anywhere. You can listen almost anywhere. You can you can get a little, you can get a little bit of a plug-in from that, and um, it, it's it's uh, it's so helpful. But I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I have a hard time because I like music. And There's sometimes when I just want to listen to music. And I have to be willing to say, I'm not going to listen to what I kind of want to because I know there's something better. And that is always the case. That's always the case. If I turn off the music and I turn on the Word, somebody who's preaching the Word, I get something out of it every time. Every time it works like that. God feeds His people with things like that. But Paul's saying that he stayed in a constant battle. You would think that by the time Paul got to this point in his life, he would have had it all worked out, wouldn't you? You would think that he wouldn't have anything to work on in his life. You would think that even if even if all of the hounds of hell came against him, that they would hit a brick wall because he had it figured out. He had it all in place, but he didn't. He didn't. That should kind of be an encouragement to us, right? You know, because sometimes I'm like, wow, I got a mess here. God, I got a mess. I need help. My room's messed up and I can't fix it myself. Should be an encouragement to us because Paul was in the same position. Paul had the same struggles that we do. The only difference is that today we're wired. That's the only difference. But Paul was the same. Paul was the same person, just like we are. And we're the problem. We're the problem, right? Don't blame the internet. Don't blame TV. Those are not the problem. They may be the conduit for part of the problem, but the problem is right here. The problem is here. Does your TV have an off button? Mine does but it's my choice whether or not I turn it off or on. It's my choice what channel I go to. It's my choice what kind of thing I watch on TV or what I look at on my computer. My computer has an off button. And if I close the lid, I don't see anything at all. Don't blame your computer, don't blame the internet, don't blame TV, you're the problem you're the problem. You need to turn it off. You need to change the channel. You need to look at something edifying. Paul had the same problem. He didn't have the media. He didn't have the electronics, but he had other things. He had the same struggles. He was, he was not really all that different from us in many ways. Paul recognized that Even though he was a Christian and he was a good, solid Christian and he was serving God, he still had this human side. We do too. We have that human side. And sometimes it comes out. And when it does, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. It's downright embarrassing sometimes. Sometimes it comes out and we're just like, wow. There you go, Pastor Scott. <laughs> really blew it that's what we do but you know we pick ourselves up dust ourselves off god helps us he helps us get back in the race he helps us get going again it's not over you know i i know this is probably really a rude saying at this point in time but you know There's an old saying that says, it's not over till the fat lady sings. And and I haven't heard her sing. I haven't heard anyone sing as far as it being over. We just need to remember that we're not impervious to temptations and failures. Pride gets in our way. You know, we make progress on this this, uh, journey. We make progress as a Christian. Uh, you get to be you know if you've been a christian for 20 or 30 years and you feel like i'm pretty solid you know i had a few little problems you know i got got a little you know i got some things i need to work on but generally i'm pretty solid nothing's going to knock me out of the race of being a christian just don't forget we're not impervious just don't forget that there are still ways satan Satan knows how to get to us. And when we least expect it, we get blindsided by pride. Or we get blindsided by envy. Or we get blindsided by anger. It just comes at us out of nowhere. We feel like we're, just, we're solid, nothing's going to move us. I'm here for you, God. I'm here for you, Christ. Satan, throw at me whatever you want to. I'm here. And then you get blindsided. We just need to always be on our guard. We need to always be on our guard. We need to always remember that um, God puts us in situations where He wants to use us. And when you get into a situation like that, when you feel like, you know, God's put me here, pray. Pray. Pray really quickly. You don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to get on your knees. Just pray, God, help me with this. Put words in my mouth. Tell me what to say. Tell me what to do. Because you need God with you. Don't try to do it on your own. You know, we try to do it on our own, we fall flat on our face. God still uses us in that situation. I don't know how, but He does. But you know, Jesus commanded us to ask. Jesus commanded, it it was an imperative. He didn't say, you can pray when you're in this situation or when you need something, you can pray. No, he said, pray, do it, ask, ask, and God will provide. You have not because you ask not. And that's on us. God wants to give us everything we need. God wants to provide. But we need to ask. We just simply need to realize that we need Him. We need whatever it is He's going to give us. And we need to ask whatever it is. In a minute we're going to pray. And uh, I want to remind you that we do have refreshments across the hall afterward. And... uh, you can stay around and enjoy fellowship for a little while. If you've never, if you've never accepted the Lord as your Savior, if you have never uh, given your heart to Him, I want you to pray right along with me, right now. Almighty God, Lord, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that He's the Savior, the Son of God, and I believe that He is our redemption. Lord, we recognize that we're sinful people and we need a Savior. Lord, I want to give you my heart and my life to you right now. Lord, I repent from my sinful ways. I repent from all of the things that I've done that are not glorying and honoring you. And Lord, I want to commit myself to serving you. I want to follow you and I want God's presence in my life. Father, forgive me of our sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. And Let me know the joy of walking with you throughout the rest of my life. And Father, I just pray that you would use me in a great and powerful way and that I would know life change. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to a live teaching from the River Christian Fellowship, home of CSN. If you'd like to hear today's teaching again, you can catch the free podcast by searching the iTunes store for the River Christian Fellowship or give us a call at 800-357-4226. There's also a video of today's teaching available on our website, theriverchristianfellowship.com and then click the media button and tune in next week for more from the River Christian Fellowship live on CSN.